But we are continuing today our series titled Story. So looking at the story of the life of Jesus in the book of Mark. So in the New Testament, in the Bible, there are four books that look specifically at the life of Jesus. And we're focusing at the moment on the story of Jesus in the book of Mark. And I love that each week we're hearing these stories from people in our own church family whose lives have been impacted by Jesus. That even all these thousands and thousands of years after Jesus was here on earth, people still have stories of how even now he's at work and changing their lives. And when I first um, watched Nathaniel's story, I was trying to kind of see which one might fit in with this morning. It was just brilliant what he said. Now, I've known Nathaniel for um, about 11 years now, and I don't think I've ever heard that bit of his story. And it was so great to hear about how he learned that his relationship with Jesus was that it was a relationship. It wasn't born out of fear or rules. And that's what we're going to be having a look at this morning as we continue to look at this passage in Mark that Olivia read out to us. Because we've reached this point in the story, and this happens at numerous points in the four stories of the life of Jesus. Uh, It happens here at the end of chapter 2, and then it also happens in chapter 3, where Jesus is caught by the religious leaders of the day doing something that they think he shouldn't be doing, breaking some sort of rule that has been put in place by the religious leaders of the day. So at this point, Jesus is there with his disciples, and they're picking grains of corn, ears of corn. And on the Sabbath day, that wasn't allowed. So the Sabbath was the day of rest, where there were things that weren't allowed to be done because it was the weekly day of rest. And as we read this passage, we can kind of almost read the Pharisees, the religious leaders, as being like the baddies who are sort of lurking in the shadows, leaping out to say, Jesus, what are you doing? You're breaking a law. How dare you do that on the Sabbath? You're not allowed to do that. Because you're not allowed to pick corn. Because you're not allowed to prepare any food. You're not allowed to heal on the Sabbath, which is what he goes on to do in chapter 3. And so we can sort of read this passage and almost straight away pass judgment. Oh, look at them, the baddies. Stopping God's work here on earth, stopping Jesus doing the things that God wants him to be doing right now. And actually, probably if we're really honest about ourselves, just as we might read that story and pass judgment on the religious leaders of the day stopping God's work, we can so easily do that in our day-to-day lives, can't we? Just pass those snap judgments on people. They're wrong. Why are they doing that? Why have they behaved like that? Because actually, often, we don't understand the full story and the full picture And so it's important in all areas of our lives that we take that time to understand why has someone done that? What's going on for them? How can I get to know them more? How can I understand their story? And I think that actually this morning, as we understand a little bit more about why there were these rules in place on the Sabbath day, it will help us to understand how incredibly and radically Jesus came to this earth. And the words that he says in this passage have such a radical effect on us now in 2023, all those thousands of years later. Because right at the back of the start of the Bible, so as you pick up your Bibles in the Old Testament, right at the beginning of the Bible, we read about this moment that you're probably quite familiar with, right at the beginning where God has created humanity to be in relationship with him, and they reject him and turn their back on him and say, no thanks, we're going to go our own way. But God says, do you know what? I'm not okay with that. Because I love you so much that I don't want you to reject me, and I'm not going to let you reject me. And so right at the beginning of the Bible, God comes and gives promises to the people of Israel, so God's chosen people at that time. 
And he promises that one day they will look forward to a fulfillment of a moment where he will come back into a relationship with them forever at all times. That even though they rejected him, he says, no, one day I will fulfill the promise that I will come back and I will be in relationship with you. And as, some of, as part of that promise, God gave his chosen people some rules, some ways that they could try and earn their way almost back into being in relationship with God until this moment of fulfillment that he promised where he would be in relationship with them again. So he says to them, do you know what? You might have rejected me. You might have turned your backs on me, but I am going to say to you, come, I want to be in relationship with you. And these are some of the ways that you can do it. So in the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Old Testament, we read these words about the Sabbath. So this is God talking to Moses, and he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So some rules were put in place because God says, actually, if you keep the Sabbath day, if this is your day of rest, if you follow the Sabbath day, then actually I will help make you holy again. Even though you've turned your backs to me and you don't want me in your life, I'm going to give you a way to come back into being in a holy relationship with me again. And so 39 different activities were sort of banned on the Sabbath rules that were put in place to say, these are the things that you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath. So one of them was preparing food. Another one was using fire of any kind. So essentially, you couldn't make any food on the Sabbath day. You had to do it all before, so on the Sabbath day, you just ate. Another one was healing. You weren't allowed to do any sort of healing on the Sabbath day. So when we read this passage in the Bible, when we read about the Pharisees coming and saying, Jesus, what are your followers doing that they're picking these grains of corn? The Pharisees aren't trying to stop God's work here on earth because what they know and what they have read from the whole of their scriptures is what Jesus is doing in this moment is turning his back on God. Because for them to be back in relationship with God, they thought, right, brilliant, we need to keep these rules that will help make us holy again. And so they're there going, hang on, there are these guys picking corn and they're not allowed to be doing that. And that's where we need to go back again to the Old Testament to understand something else that happened on the Sabbath day to help us understand how radical the words that Jesus said in response to the Pharisees was. So here's this moment where he's there with his followers. They're picking corn. They're doing something that they're not allowed to do. The Pharisees are like, hang on, what are you doing? You're not allowed to do that. That's breaking the rules that we'll put in place to help us get to know God. And then Jesus answers and responds to them. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And Judy helped unpack for us last week that the Son of Man was a phrase, a picture that was known in the Old Testament, so it would have been known by these religious leaders as actually referring to kind of a God-like figure. So God, Jesus was saying, it's the Son of Man, God is Lord even of the Sabbath. He, Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so often when we read these words, which are incredible words, where Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, we can read them to mean that Jesus is saying, I am the place where you come to find rest. And that is what it means. That is one thing that we can definitely take from that. 
That Jesus is saying, do you know what? It's not about not doing stuff. It's not about keeping these 39 rules, not preparing food, not holing. Actually, you can come and find rest purely through me. I'm your source of rest. Having a two-hour nap is great, but actually knowing me in your life, that will give you a deep sense of peace that maybe a nap might not. But actually, there are even greater significance to these words. This isn't just Jesus saying, come to me to find rest. Because alongside the 39 rules that were put in place, which said you can't do all of these things, you need to be resting on the Sabbath, there was one place where lots of activity happened on the Sabbath, and that was in the temple. So the temple was the place where God dwelt. So because people had rejected God, he kind of wasn't there all the time for all people. He was specifically there in the temple. That's where he dwelt. And so sacrifices were brought in the temple to say, God, we're sorry for all these things that we've done wrong. Please help us to become more like you again. And there was a very special sacrifice that happened on the day of the Sabbath. And so in the book of Numbers, again, at the beginning of the Old Testament, it says... On the Sabbath day, make an offering of two lambs a year, without defect, together with its drink offering, and a grain offering of one-fifth of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath, in addition to the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So alongside all of these rules that people had to keep to try and get themselves back into a relationship with God... At the same time, in the temple, one of the most holy sacrifices of two lambs without defect took place every Sabbath to try and help the people outside the temple who were trying to get more into relationship with God get even more into relationship with God by forgiving them for all the things they'd done wrong. So there was no activity outside the temple, and inside the temple there was a lot of activity. Together, Rest and sacrifice coming so that people could find their way back into a relationship with God. To help them become more holy. To help them reflect more of God in their lives again, even though they would said, we don't want to know you. So when Jesus says the words, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, he acts as that fulfillment of everything that has gone before You no longer need to keep rules to know God. You no longer need to perform sacrifices to know God. The Sabbath is no longer about the things that you have to not do. The Sabbath is no longer about the sacrifices that you have to make because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And how could he be that? Because a person couldn't be that. Because Jesus was God here on earth, both fully human, but also fully God here on earth. That Jesus came to this earth to give his life once and for all as a final sacrifice. And through that, he offers us a new life, just as Nathaniel talked about, based on a loving relationship rather than on a set of rules that we have to keep. Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, we don't have to be our own saviour anymore. We don't have to earn our rights to be children of God. You simply are. Every single person in this room right now, whether you know it or not, you are a child of God. Every single person joining us at home right now, whether you know it or not, 
you are a child of God. Your postman, your teachers, your colleagues at work, your family members, whether they know it or not, they are children of a God who loves them simply because they are. Jesus, as God on earth, came because he loves me and you and everybody. He wants to know each one of us now in this incredible, loving relationship. But also he wants us to know that this earth is just the prologue to something that is yet to come. This is just the introduction of the story. Because one day, because of what Jesus did, we have a hope of eternity forever with God. Free of anger, pain, jealousy, illness, suffering, depression, all those things that make this world so broken, Jesus says, do you know what? One day, because of me, you're going to be free from that forever in an incredible future, in eternity, with God always. And the amazing, amazing truth is there is nothing that we can do to make that happen because it's already been done. We don't need to prove ourselves before God anymore There's no need for any more sacrifices because God came down to this earth himself and sacrificed himself for each one of us. There's no need for us to keep 39 rules anymore on our days of rest because actually our relationship with God is based just on that, a loving relationship, not on any rules. Now, we're just going to have a photo come up on the screen that um, some of you might recognise. So this is actually does tie in with the talk somewhere. We're not just having a feminist break to talk about how much better women are at football than men, Um, but we can maybe discuss that over coffee later. Um, So probably lots of you recognise this. This is the England women's football team. They were in action on Friday against Scotland. One, fantastically, if you're from England, two, one, if you're from Scotland, maybe not so fantastically. Um, I like football. I really enjoy watching football. I watch the World Cup avidly over the summer. Um, I don't really understand the rules of football. I get the essence of you kick a ball and when you score, it goes into the net goal. um, And that's great. If someone asked me what the offside rule was, I couldn't tell you. If someone asked me what numbers these, everyone has on their shirts, I couldn't tell you unless I looked at the photo. I don't know these ladies' names. I don't know the positions they play. I probably know about four of them. Um, my youngest daughter loves football, which if you know myself and my husband John, is in itself a miracle and testimony to the fact God must exist because we are not sport-related people at all. She loves football. She didn't start loving football because she picked up a rule book and went, right, I'm going to learn the offside rule. I'm going to learn all the positions that people can play. She loved football because simply one day in her school playground, she started kicking a ball around. She didn't know what she was doing, but she kicked a ball around, you know, had fun with her friends until it got banned at lunchtime, but that's a point of contention. Um, she loves it. So then she joined a team and she started doing football training and she enjoyed playing football with her team. And then she kind of plays football whenever she can in the back garden. She just simply loves it. But because she loves football, she has learned everything about football. She could tell you the names of every single one of the players in the England women's football team. She could tell you the positions that they play. She could tell you the offside rule and she has tried to tell me many times, I still don't really understand it. She loves football, and because of her love for football, she has learned more and more and more about football. She understands it in a way that I don't. Her knowledge, first and foremost, came out of her love for football. And actually, that is a wonderful picture of our relationship with Jesus. We want to grow more like him, not because we have to, not because we need to, 
but actually because we love him. We don't have to prove ourselves to Jesus. We don't have to say, oh, I'm so good, I've done this and that today, woohoo me. Jesus says, you know what, I just simply love you. And out of that, I want to see your life transformed from the inside out. I want to see you grow more and more in love with me. You are chosen and loved simply by being who you are. But we can know even more of that love by getting even closer to God and understanding even more of the love that he wants to give us. In the same way that I learn more and more about my friends by chatting to them, I can learn more about God by just simply chatting to him, coming to him in prayer, putting time in my day aside to pray to come before God. I learn more about my friends by watching the things that they do, by being interested in their lives, by hearing stories of their past. And in the same way, we can learn more about God by picking up his words, by reading his Bible. Not because we're like, oh, I've got to do my quiet time every day because if I don't, I'm going to burn, I'm going to be a bad Christian, but because simply we want to know more of what God says to us because we want to understand more of the love that he has for us and more of the things that he wants to say to us. We can learn more about how God loves us by reflecting his character in our own lives, by not being the person who joins in with the gossip, by not being the person who just shouts really loudly when we're angry but actually thinks and takes time by reflecting more of the character of Jesus. We can learn more about the character of Jesus by coming together in life groups, by being with others to learn about the Bible, by asking one another questions, by helping hold each other accountable. Again, not because we have to, but because we want to know more of quite how loved we are, just how loved we are. <laughs>